0: You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing a love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us. Crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into tonight's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter, at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast, just search Panthers on tap. we got a big guest tonight, Bryson. We're going big time. Joe Person from The Athletic joins us. He's been covering the Panthers for a long, long time. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on.
1: I didn't know we were allowed or supposed to drink. My goodness. i, I <laughs> right off of the eighth grade middle school uh, football field. Uh, and the way uh, my kid's team got it handed to him, I, I could have used an IPA or three tonight.
2: <laughs> yeah, drinking is highly encouraged on this podcast. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good deal, good deal. Viewer discretion advised. But yeah let's, yeah, let's get into the game, J- the Jets game. Uh, we finally got, got to see what Sam Darnold's all about here in Carolina. Um, they, they came away, they squeaked out the victory on Sunday. But there's still, there's still a lot of things up in the air right now. Joe, I just want to get your take. What did you see from Sam Darnold uh, against the Jets?
1: You know, I thought it was mostly solid. I, you know, it wasn't – I mean, heck, it was 279 yards. So, I mean, the stat line looked pretty good. It was more yards than he threw in any game last year with the Jets. Um I thought he got a little bit, um, uh, I won't say sloppy, but just n- not real sharp in the red zone. You know, he, he threw high to Ian Thomas on a, uh, on a route where Thomas, a, a good throw is a touchdown. He overthrew Terrace Marshall on um, the next time they were down there knocking on the door. Again, a good throw is a little out, quick out route, a good throw. He puts it on Marshall's hands. That's a touchdown. So you know, it felt like that game should have been, you know, like thirty-one to fourteen or something. But uh, you know what? You take it, right? Like week one, you take it, you move on. But they—they've got to clean up a lot of things. Not just Darnold. I mean, the offensive line I thought was was pretty average at best. Um, Darnold got hit a lot in the second half. And only one sack, but kind of took a beating. That ain't going to cut it against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that said, you know, I, I thought it was a good starting point for Sandor.
0: Yeah, let, uh, let's stick with the offensive line. He was hit eight times in that game. You think it's something where they're going to shake things up this week? They might get John Miller back. Do you have any any insight into that at all?
1: Not really. COVID's so weird, <laughs> you know, with the quarantine and you got to – you know, you gotta you gotta flip a couple of positive or negative tests if you're John Miller. I know they're hopeful; they could use them. Obviously, um, I don't think there's any big shakeup coming. Matt Rule was asked that Monday this week, and you know, he, not that he's necessarily going to show his hand, but I don't know. I, you know, they've already kind of had a shakeup, right? Having to to, to start Dennis Daly. I think, earlier or sooner than they than they were expecting to. I happen to think Dennis Daly is eventually going to be one of this team's top five offensive linemen, if he's not already. Um, but, yeah, I, I, clearly, if you can get Miller back, and then you got to make sure, like, you know, what's his health and his, like, conditioning level. I mean, the guy's been, you know, like, in in his bedroom or at least in his house for a week and a half. It may be. They're better off letting him sit another week and rolling with Dennis Daly again. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I just want to hop in on the offensive line just for a second. Um, Yeah, they they allowed 11 total pressures, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, with most of them being in the second half. And then they allowed a sack. Um, Pat Elfline allowed four pressures himself, and they actually had the lowest pass-blocking win rate in the NFL last week, um, according to ESPN, at 20% success rate. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you know, them getting the ball out quickly uh, kind of disguised a lot of their problems they, they were having with the, you know, the underneath routes to McCaffrey and um, the quick slants to Robbie or to DJ Moore or whoever. But, um, yeah, like you said, Joe, that's not going to cut it against the Saints. Uh, the Saints will get home on some on some of those pressures, especially if they're only, went you know, successfully blocking on, on pass downs at 20%. So that worries me a little bit. And then uh, just to touch on Darn a little bit, uh, 234 of his uh, 279 yards came in the first half. Um, the second half, I don't know what the deal was. I, it seemed like this team just got lost, really. like Not that they played awful, but they definitely took their foot off the gas or or something. I mean, going into half 16-0 and then the game finishing 19-14 kind of just tells you everything you need to know right there. So uh, definitely some, some positives that we can take away from last week, but some stuff to grow in as well. And uh, I'm excited to see – you know what they can do against the Saints, coming off a huge win against the Packers, where you know people weren't expecting them to do what they did in that game. So, uh,
0: if, if I can jump in here too quick, just off that point, Bryson, in the third quarter, twelve play, twelve plays, twenty five yards. Um, you know, last year Joe Brady, the, the third quarter seemed like a struggle last year, and then you come into this year, and they're still having issues in the third quarter. Joe, is that, a, is that an execution problem on the players? Is that a coaching problem, a little bit of both? What, what's going on with this team coming out of half? They seem to struggle.
1: I think it's a fair question that, you know, ha, has Matt Rule and Joe Brady in particular, ha, have they made the necessary halftime adjustments? I think Sunday, uh, week one, the answer was certainly not. And I think you can make a case there were a lot of times last year they got out coached coming out of halftime so that's got to be addressed um you know maybe it's a blip but if you know but based on what my eyes told me from last year I'd like to see that get corrected quickly um, let it let it not linger um yeah I mean you and and I know rule he didn't say this about this particular game but last year a lot of times he'd say well you know we were kind of trying to run the ball and salt the game away yeah that's all fine and well but you know you you, you got to figure out though what the other team's going to be doing what that defense is going to do to counter Christian McCaffrey and uh you know it, they what and they the Panthers did all that without turning the ball over in the second half like what you know it wasn't like they let the um, Jets back in it because they were giving them short fields. No, they just they just weren't moving the ball. Uh, kept bringing on uh, Joseph Charlton, the punt, and and you're right. The game was a lot closer than it should have been. They failed to put it away in the first half, and then the second half, like you guys just said, just kind of like pittering around with it and not really doing much of anything.
2: So, so let's go to a more of a bright spot from that game, in my opinion, uh, the defense. Uh, I thought they, you know, in the first half, they they showed that they were one of the best units in the NFL. And then in the second half, like the rest of the team, they kind of regressed a little bit. But uh, one player that you know stood out to me, um, Shaq Thompson, with ten tackles, an interception, a tackle for loss, three pass breakups, a quarterback hit, uh, and uh, I, I think he looked good in that that new number seven. Um, Joe, what was your opinion of the defense uh, from week one? Defense
1: is salty. Like I thought all through training camp. That This was not necessarily like a top five, top ten defense, but it was going to be a playmaking defense. And I saw nothing Sunday that, that convinced me otherwise. Look, the Jets' offensive line, you know, we got always – you always sometimes got to add a caveat, right? Like their Jets' offensive line was bad, but that's all right. You know, s- still, the Panthers did what they had to. And Brian Burns said after the game, he said, we left a couple sacks out there. Like we could have had eight or nine sacks. And he's right. Like, I remember one, one or two where, where Wilson was able to break contain on, um, on Burns. And then another one where he broke contain on Redick. Um, but it, I think the defense, man, I'm, and, you know, barring injuries, I think this defense is going to be pretty fun to watch all year. Uh, again, I you know, they're not perfect. You know, Jermaine Carter in the middle, kind of undersized. Um, I think they're, you know, kind of trying to, hide him a little bit, if you will. Not a bad player, but he's not what we've been used to seeing, you know, for all those years in the linebacker with 59. And then the secondary is better. Um, We're going to see about their safety depth this week because Justin Burris, I think, is going to end up moving to nickel, which he did at the end of that game when when Hartsfield got hurt and i mean i guess they could get corn elder up to speed but that that'd be in a hurry so my sense would be that Hartsfield, excuse me uh burris will play nickel and then sean chandler goes in at safety which again is how they finish that game so we're going to get a very early test on how that secondary's depth is going to hold up
0: yeah i just want to give a shout out to shack thompson i I felt like we got to finally see what he looks like when there's guys around more guys around him. You know, he he might have struggled last year a little bit, but I feel like when when he can move around and fly around like he did in college, I mean that guy was he was wrecking, wreaking havoc all over the field this week, which is exciting to see. I just want to go back to the offense just one more time here with McCaffrey because every year it seems like the Panthers say they're gonna, you know, let up on McCaffrey and get him less touches, get more guys involved. They draft Chuba Hubbard. McCaffrey still got 89% of the snaps in the season opener. I know they rested him this all this offseason. So I get I I get I get the plan of throwing him out there and letting him run wild week one. But Joe, do they what is the plan with Christian McCaffrey? I feel like I don't I don't know if they really know at this
1: point. Yeah, it's funny. I'm not sure when your pod's dropping, but I'm working on a story about kind of McCaffrey's usage, and it's going to come out middle of this week. Uh, And, looking, I I went play for play in that Jets game, went back and watched the the game pass and just counted up every hit he got. And uh, he was pretty fortunate. Like, he only took, by my count and by my uh, subjectivity, four really pretty solid salty hits rule even had I asked kind of asked rule the same question you just asked me and he he had him with less than that he thought he only took about two um really big hits so but whatever uh they got to get him off the field a little bit more than that I mean like I'm not saying you sit him you know I I don't know what the number is I, I mean but Chuba Hubbard, apparently, I missed this during the game, but Rule said, very first play, they try to rest McCaffrey. Hubbard goes in, blows a pass protection, and Darnold was, got the ball away, and I think got a completion out of it, but got, Hubbard blew the assignment, got got his quarterback hit, and, you know, they those kind of plays in a close game could cost you the game, so I think – I think if you're Matt Rule and you're trying to win football games in the National Football League, he's got to have total confidence in Shuba Hubbard or Royce Freeman, some combination. Like you want to put Chuba in and you got to be careful with your tendencies, but you want to let Shuba run around a little bit and try to get Royce in to do some pass pro. Got to figure something out because 30 touches times 17 is going to be too many.
0: I'm excited for your piece this week. Cause I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, some of those numbers too. And just, I feel like Christian McCaffrey, they gotta, they gotta get the you know, less in the hits off this guy. Cause his longevity is decreasing and that, and that makes me nervous, but Bryson, you want to, you want to talk about kicker? Cause I, I feel like that was the news of the day.
2: Yeah. uh One more thing from the game. I just wanted to mention they had two punts inside the 40 that, made me sick to, to watch. Um, I, I guess from the news today, they didn't really um, believe in their kicker, but I just, I guess if you do that against the Saints, you're not going to win the game, but all right. So uh, the news today that dropped um, the Panthers cut uh, Santoso um, five hours after Joe person writes an article about how he feels Santoso is safe. <laughs> uh, they bring in Zane Gonzalez off of the Lions uh, practice squad. Um, and then I think uh, you, Joe, tweeted about how uh, Zane's career kicking percentage is 78% and Joey Slides was 80. So that's very interesting. I don't really necessarily see it as an upgrade. But uh, this situation is a mess, man. Uh, I don't know what direction we're going. I guess they have to roll with him for three games due to the practice squad rules, uh, signing players from a practice squad Uh Do you see them sticking with Gonzalez for a long extended period of time, or are they still looking? First of all,
1: let me defend myself here, man, after you threw me under the bus. (laughs) what I First of all, I I, I think I was the only one in the last two weeks that even asked Matt Rule the question, is Ryan Santoso on a one-game contract because of the terms of that deal? And Rule yesterday was sort of humming and hawing and said, you know, that there, that he might let him compete with Dominic Eberly. And so what I wrote was that my sense was he was safe, but that given this team's recent history with kicker, anything was possible. So anyway, uh, just, just defending my honor here. Um, Did Zane Gonzalez an upgrade? I don't know. Uh, Maybe, I mean, I, this team's become the Chicago bears. I mean, with the kicking position, it's unbelievable how predating, uh, fitter and rule, but going back to, to Harrison Butker, like every decision they've made the kicker has somehow been the wrong one. And so, you know, is Zane Gonzalez going to be the exception that proves the rule? Maybe, uh, you know, people people weren't sure about Graham Gano when when Brandon Bean, as the interim GM, uh, signed him uh, from Washington all those years ago, and Gano ended up being the answer and a pretty good kicker. Uh, probably should have still should still be here, but nevertheless, um, I don't even remember what your original question was. <laughs> I just know the kicking until someone proves otherwise. I'm going to assume this pick, kicking situation is going to be in flux and kind of be uh, sort of like comedic entertainment.
0: Yeah. And I, I tweeted out today, I said, that, that Matt rule and fitter are like, it's like they're running a fantasy team and they're streamlining kickers. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. Um, and my question is like, why now, why go get Gonzalez now? Like he wasn't good enough early in the summer. Cause they clearly didn't bring him back for training camp because they thought Joey Sly was the guy. And now they're going to bring them back because, you know, they didn't want to give up a seventh round pick. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it is comical. It really is to watch how they've handled this position. And with Carolina, I've, I've been saying this for weeks, they need all the points they can get in the red zone. So when they're, when you, when you bring it, when you don't know who your kicker is going to be every other week and it's changing, that's a big problem. So they need to, fi- they need, really need to figure that out. Joe, you talked about it a little bit, about Miles Hartsfield, but um, any indication at all of how long that's going to be? Um, is he getting surgery and is any anything on that end from the injury injury front?
1: Yeah, it sounds like he's going to have surgery and he's going to be out a while. He's going to be out two or three months. I mean, that could end up being almost season ending. I mean, if it's if it's 12 weeks, <laughs> I mean, just do the math. That's week 14. Right. So. I mean, maybe you bring him back then. And if it's on the short end of it, then certainly you bring him back. But uh, they hope, obviously, that AJ Boyer comes in off of that suspension and locks down that spot. I mean, you know, we haven't we haven't seen really AJ Boyer since he got here uh, up at camp when he was eligible to practice. Uh, he had some kind of core injury, some soft tissue injury that basically shut him down for Wofford and now he's suspended not allowed to be around the team but I did um I did ask Matt Rule recently did uh is A.J. Boyer? hell I know he obviously can't play but is he healthy for week three when he comes back and to the best of the Panthers knowledge they they think he's good good to go health-wise so that would be good um you know, Hartsfield was, was probably going to be more of a depth piece this year, assuming Boye plays and plays well, but still a tough loss for a guy who who played a lot of football and played pretty good football for Matt rule last year.
2: Yeah. And, and he had a play Sunday. I think it was a, a third down and uh short where he, uh, he stopped a player and forced a fourth down. I can't remember who the, I think it was at like one of the jets tight ends. He tackled in pretty much midair and, and stopped, but you know, I thought he's flashed uh throughout last year and then, um, training camp and then the game Sunday. But, um, and then, and then like we talked about earlier with corn elder, we think maybe he might get called up. And I, I thought last season he played pretty decent in, in the nickel position for the Panthers. I think he was our pro football focus one of the highest graded uh, nickel defenders in the league. So, um, I thought, you know, he was decent and, uh, i I've, I've been hard on him in the past, but uh, it, it, if he's, if he's there, then, then that's who we're running. In, and, and hopefully he can, he can, he can fill that spot decently. <laughs> I hate
0: to bring this up again, going back to the game, but I wanted to talk about it because third, the third quarter has been a struggle for Carolina and third downs again with the offense, there were four 14 on third down 28%. They struggled with this last year. I think there were 24th and third down conversions last year. It's it just it's baffling that the ball it's consecutive back to back years different quarterback in there now, but they're struggling with the two of the big things that they struggled with last year.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the red zone, like we've talked about, it's it was pretty putrid. Uh, I mean, one game, but we saw them kind of flail around in the red zone during the preseason too. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, I think McCaffrey's going to help. Um, Certainly he would help any offense in any situation. I don't know that he's as big a help in goal line just because he doesn't move the pile. Uh, He avoids tackles and very obviously one of the best in the league at that. But down there in close quarters in, in, in that scoring zone, you're not always getting a chance to elude guys. You're, you're lowering a shoulder, you know, that's who he is. I mean, so you got to figure out getting your tight. I mean, you got four tight ends, really five on the active roster. I think you figure out a way to get them involved in the, in the red zone. Uh, And they did, they tried. I said this earlier, but Ian Thomas had that ball where a good throw, listening to the Fox, excuse me, CBS broadcast, Tiki Barber said, you know, if, if, Darnold throws that ball needs to be in Thomas's face mask, not up here, not not you know four feet above his head, where Thomas barely got one hand on it. And I think I'd try to get Dan Arnold a little more involved in uh, in the racism. I know he had a couple touches, but I think I may be mistaken. But I think just about all of his targets were kind of between the forties, uh, middle of the field kind of thing. Um, Again, I may be overlooking one, but he's six foot seven, man, or six foot six, whatever he is. I'd I'd try to get him involved. He might catch that ball
2: that that went over Thomas's head. Yeah, that's a fair point. Absolutely, I think that you know, he, with him having that the bigger height and, and maybe better hands uh, than Thomas, and he, he, he that pass might be a touchdown. But yeah, it, it wasn't a great pass, and, and he, like we mentioned before, the one that one, and then the Terrence Marshall. Uh, one where he missed him on the side of the end zone. I mean, that's two possible touchdowns that that could be on the board if if the pass is on target. So, well, Joe,
0: why don't we why don't we go to the Saints game? They came out today. Adam Schefter reported eight total COVID cases. So Saints again dealing with some distractions going into this week. You know, it was the hurricane previously, and they showed up versus the Packers, but they got eight total COVID cases: six coaches, one nutritionist. A player, presumably Michael Thomas. Um, just, what are your initial thoughts on this game going in? I know that it's going to be a tall task for them.
1: Yeah, I mean the Jameis situation to me is fascinating because, I mean, look, we we've all watched a lot of football. We've seen good Jameis and bad Jameis and a lot of bad Jameis. I mean, I was in London two years ago when he got picked five times and sacked six times, and it was just miserable. I mean, he did not look like a guy who was going to be starting in the NFL much longer, but Sean Payton, kind of quarterback whisperer, I mean, we'll see. I mean, pretty. his numbers last week were just so weird, Jameis'. I mean, first guy to ever throw for, like, less than 150 yards and yet finish with five uh, touchdown passes. I mean, that's that's remarkable. Um, I think the Saints still have a lot of weapons, obviously. Um, I, I think it's a tough game for the Panthers. I think the defense uh, should keep them in it. Uh, you guys were saying earlier about the Saints' pass rush will get home if the offensive line does not improve, and that is absolutely the case. Uh, up front with Kim Jordan and Davenport and those guys like they will make it, they will make <laughs> Sam Darnold feel like he is back in New York's you know seeing ghosts if they can and, and and listen and they're gonna have to they're gonna have to max protect some and and keep a tight end back I mean not every play but Joe Brady knows that but it, it, these Saints games are fascinating for me too because I mean, you had Brady last year. Like, it was week 17. The Panthers weren't going anywhere. And he's got uh, Tommy Stevens out, like, playing this, uh, you know, Taysom Hill role, <laughs> like, just to, like, try to shove it up uh, Sean Payton's butt. And so, I, you know, unfortunately, Tommy Stevens is no longer with either of these teams. But I'm sure there will be something. I mean, this Brady. Terris Marshall, maybe. There you go. The, the, the whole Brady Peyton thing to me is just—I love that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. The the Panthers open up a, a an underdog at home. I think it's a three and a half point underdog against the Saints, and it's a fa- it's a familiar foe with a new quarterback. And and like I just stated earlier, they the Saints are coming off that big win against Green Bay, where they looked phenomenal. I mean, I really didn't see any weakness, but uh, I don't know if that was more of the Packers defense looking bad or the Saints offense looking good but um if I just wanted to kind of transition into, into some key matchups that I'm gonna that we are be looking for during the game I think um like we've mentioned before the Saints D line versus the Panthers O line is probably going to be the biggest I, I feel like you can say that every week about every team's defensive line versus the Panthers offensive line uh it, it's gonna it's the story can the Panthers block and give Sam Darnold time um Unfortunately, that's the the team that we have and the the life that we live in currently. So, uh, if the offensive line can be serviceable, then you know I think we have a chance to win the game. But if they're getting dominated, it's going to be tough. So, uh, and then and then I'm I'm interested to see the defense and um, how how they perform against an offense that showed that they're capable of scoring. So, uh, I mean, we don't really know how good the Jets are going to be this year. Uh, I think Zach Wilson looked decent in the second half, like we've talked about. But um, this is a team that put up a lot of points against the Packers, so. Um, can they contain Kamara? Can they keep Jameis Winston from throwing five touchdowns? We'll see. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough game, like we said, and um, I'm excited to see what we can do.
0: Yeah, Joe, and I, he, he mentioned offensive line. Do, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on Brady Christensen because yeah, this guy coming in third round, they drafted him. A lot of fans were upset that they, you know missed on a couple of the other guys or passed on some guys early uh, in the second round. Is, is this guy going to see the field soon, you think, or is, is this going to be week 10, week 11, he comes in, if someone goes down because I know a lot of people are wondering, you know, this third round pick is, is this guy
1: going to show out? I like, I like Brady Christensen. I think, uh, and, and listen, you know, I, I know a lot of people banging on, on fitter for, for skipping over some tackles in the second round. I and mean, that's not Christensen's fault. I mean that, you know, like he's a good player. He's a good third round player. You know what I mean? Like he, you're not every once in a while, there's an exception, but you're not going to find your longtime cornerstone left tackle in the third round. I mean, So you get him, you you don't love his length, but you like his makeup and his character. And and he's a pretty good blocker. He's just not quite as long as Rule and Fitter like uh, at left tackle. But yeah, I think he's going to be a good player in this league. I mean, kind of got to figure out a spot for him because you just paid Taylor Moten. So maybe his right guard, uh, I, I have gotten zero sense that they're really going to look at him Seriously, at left tackle. Uh, but so you know, yeah, you know, I don't know where it goes from here this year. Uh, it's a long season. You guys know that. I mean, there there there's going to be a need for a guard or a tackle or both at some point in this this season. And I bet Brady Christensen uh, will will get an opportunity. Now, whether what he does with it, it's up to him. But I
2: thought he handled himself pretty well
1: at training camp.
2: So, what was the deal with Deontay Brown being a, a scratch from this past weekend's game? I thought he looked good throughout training camp, and I, you know, I thought he had a possibility to maybe fill in for for uh, John Miller on the offensive line. But him being a scratch was kind of a, uh, in in a sense, a head scratch for me. So, uh, what was the deal there with that? Yeah, you know,
1: nobody's asked rule about that. We need to. Uh, my sense has been that it was a position flexibility kind of deal where you're only keeping. Eight linemen up, I think it was, on, on Sunday. Um, Christensen plays guard and tackle. And Tecklenburg plays guard and center. And Deontay plays guard. Uh, I can make the argument he plays it better than those other guys. Uh, but I think, again, I have not – I have forgot to ask rule that question, but that is what I think their reasoning was – and uh, not me a, a uh, jersey on Sunday.
2: Yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. And, I, you know, I thought Daly looked good um, Sunday for the most part. So uh, I, I didn't really think of it, you know, flexing, uh, position flexibility since. But, you know, I, but like you said, I, he might be you know the better guard of, of any of those players. But right. but we'll see. I guess, I guess it's to be seen.
0: Let's get your prediction on this game this weekend.
1: I don't think the Panthers are going to win. I I don't, and when I broke down the schedule and and had them finishing nine and eight, I do think they're going to play well this first half of the season. I have them. I kind of had them going six and two, the first eight games, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure this is a great matchup for them uh, for for some of the reasons we talked about uh, the offensive line. Like Bryce said, they're they're going to be at a disadvantage a lot of weeks, particularly this week. I don't know. I, I I haven't picked a score yet, but if I guess if I were, I'd probably pick the Saints to score. I don't know, maybe like twenty seven, maybe even push thirty points and win by touchdown
2: or Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Joe. I don't. I I really don't see the Panthers winning this game. You know, coming into the season, like you, I, I felt. I felt like it was a possibility, but after watching them against the Packers, and it's just a, the team is just so well coached under Sean Payton. He's one, you know, one of the best offensive minded coaches in the league. And I feel like he could put anybody at quarterback and they would look good. So, um, I, I don't have a whole lot of hope, uh, Sunday, you know, if they do pull out the win, then I'll be very excited and very happy. But, uh, points wise, you know, I could see the Saints winning by two touchdowns, honestly.
0: Yeah. Between, between their third, cur- Third quarter struggles, third down, and the Saints' defense. A lot of teams I felt like overlooked their defense coming into this year, but I their defense is good. Sean Payton knows how to coach quarterbacks. It don't matter who you got out there. Bryson mentioned it. I mean, he he made Teddy Bridgewater look good. Jameis Winston, Drew Brees is Drew Brees, but yeah, this I think it's going to be too much for the Panthers on Sunday. I'm not going to predict a score, but I don't, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they win this one, but Joe, I just want to thank you so much for coming on Panthers on tap podcast. I truly appreciate your work on the athletic and asking some of the tough questions in the press conferences for Matt rule. We do really appreciate that. So we love that you keep it real and we love all that you do. And if you guys don't have a subscription on the athletic, you are missing out, go get one. I remember for months and months, I'd keep hitting that monthly subscription. Then sooner or later, I just said, screw it. I'm getting the yearly one because I like reading your stuff. So I appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate
0: it, man.
1: All right, yeah. Y'all were nice to have me on, man. Next time I'll uh, crack a beer with you. Hey, there we go.
2: Sounds good to us. Appreciate <laughs> it.
1: Have a good week.
2: All right. We want to thank Joe Person again for, for coming on our podcast, uh, a big guest and a Panthers insider. We were excited to have on. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that and, and thanks again to Joe. But, Curtis, uh, one question that I wanted to get to, um, fortunately ran out of time with Joe, but uh, the Bills today announced that all, all people older than 12 years old have to show proof of vaccination to attend any home game at, at the Bills Stadium this year. I think it's starting next week. Um, is this something that you could see Carolina doing?
0: I, I could see it. I think I told you this before the show, when one domino falls, most of them fall. So I think without getting into my personal opinion on anything, because I don't want to get into that. I think I could see, I could see them jumping on board. I don't know if they would do it this soon. They might wait. Um, But I could see, I could see more teams following on this. Um, You know, all, a lot of the teams, Carolina, almost hundred percent vaccinated and, you know, a lot of other teams, Falcons, 100%. So, like, I feel like the teams, it's slowly going to build and you might see another team in the next couple days and some more will follow. I I was shocked it was Buffalo to start. But, yeah, I think I could see Carolina jumping on ship if if more teams catch on, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And um, it was definitely an interesting team, like you said. Uh, I mean, this is a team that not even all of their players are vaccinated. And I think, you know, it might be one of the lowest vaccinated teams in the NFL I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know Cole Beasley is very openly against vaccination. So to require all the fans to be vaccinated and your players on the field aren't, it's kind of interesting to me, but, um, but yeah, without getting into it uh, politics wise, you know, if if that's what it comes to, then get your damn shot. That's all I got to say. So.
0: Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to just, just kind of rambling here a little bit, but just shout out to the roaring riot. I know we had those guys on, um, it was our first episode, actually. Um, we had the owner of the Royan ride on Zach, and we just, I just wanted to give him a shout. I appreciate all he's done, and they put on a hell of a week one um, tailgate for everyone. Yeah, that uh, new the new
2: spot's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah the food was awesome.
0: good. I was worried. I thought the spot would be small, but it honestly it fit everyone. They had it wrapped around the building, so there was more room back there, but just overall, it was a really good really good turnout the food was good alcohol as always was good but yeah i just i thought you know any fan that has not checked them out get a membership you're foolish if you don't you cannot get a better deal on the tailgate you are literally stealing from them uh it's 25 dollars a person it is yep. worth it so if you are a fan joining you're just listening to our podcast for the first time you're a, you're a newly acquired Panthers fan go check the Roy and Riot out. They, they got a really good tailgate and I'm excited for the rest of the season hanging out with them.
2: Yeah. And I remember, I remember when we had him on the, for the very first episode of ours and we were talking about, man, there, we actually have to find a new spot and, uh, we have a couple ideas and, and we Mm -hmm. don't know yet, but, uh, you know, just going there. And as I, I told the people that we went with, I was waiting for that day for so long, just the first game of the season. And, uh, it was it was just a great time and, and like yeah you, said, you could I,
0: tell everyone was just ha- everyone was happy to be back together and I, that's uh that's with a lot of things these days with this pandemic but yeah just you could tell the excitement and there's excitement around you know what Sam Darnold's going to bring to this team and what this team can do defensively this year and everything else but yeah you could just it felt refreshing because we and you like we haven't been to a roaring, roaring Riot tailgate together um I don't think ever because last year we had COVID I mean we went to a game last year together but yeah but yeah and again Carol this Panther Stadium too I thought it was I thought it was a good experience that I thought I saw on the stat sheet there was over 60 some thousand people or tickets sold so they had a pretty good turnout for week one I was a little nervous about that because you Know these college football games come in the Dukes Classic and the Dukes Mayo Bowl and whatever else, and you couldn't find a seat in that place at Bank of America Stadium. And then, you you know, last year or not last year, last year's a bad example, but years past, Carolina, you, you'll see empty seats everywhere. But I thought they had a good turnout for week one,
2: yeah, absolutely. They did. I, you know, I tweeted about it, and uh, I think there was a little too much green there, and I could hear some Jets' chants, that yeah, time, that was this. But- it, 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 it i mean we're going to get that it's just do you do you
0: think do you think it's because this team came into the league so late that you're going to get that i wonder if jacksonville has the same problem like just
2: uh, yeah i think that probably plays into it but i you know in, in my opinion it's just more of like the culture that we have here right now it's not um, and the we play on have, the field yeah we don't necessarily yeah. have a winning team we don't have a winning culture uh, you know uh, we haven't had back-to-back winning seasons uh so uh it's just I think if you know if, if we were winning like the Chiefs were I think that stadium would be hard to for any opposing team to to find seats I think you know a lot of Panthers fans would feel it but it's just tough when you're not winning a lot of games and you got question marks at offensive line and quarterback and you don't know how the team's going to perform a week-to-week yeah. basis so it's just hard to fill seats
0: yeah and what we got we got to talk about this you brought it up before that the mixed reality Panther. I mean, this has been the talk that that video they put out had millions of views. It was everyone was Carolina's social media team and the entire organization. Did they do a hell of a job with incorporating things like that and getting the fans involved? And I thought it was really cool.
2: Yeah, most definitely was. You know, it was a surprise when they brought it up on on the screen and um, it was just like it was unlike anything I've ever seen. Really, it was just so cool and unexpected. It was a surprise for everybody in the stadium, and it was just great to be back in with the fireworks going off and the and the B fifty two bomber flying over the stadium, and then we got the mixed reality panther and the and you had the the BMX people at halftime that kept wrecking and, uh, and yeah the, they
0: they were, some of that were pretty good though I don't know I, that one. I don't know what the hell some of those moves were, but they had yeah. some they, they did they did well with that. And I and, thought and know, one ahead.
2: thing, yeah, one thing that you know that was embarrassing was the intros that we talked about before we came on. They they didn't get one player right on the intros coming into the stadium. Yeah, I don't know I, what happened, I don't know how how you get that so bad, but it was just it's either the guy
0: who's doing them needs to be canned or the person who's letting those players in needs to figure it out because that it was embarrassing. It really yeah. was for that to be their first game of the season. And you had rookies. I mean, JC Horn doesn't even get to run out and do what, you know, do what those players do when they want to be introduced as the mm-hmm. first time ever uh, in week one, like they pooched a kick on that one. They really they better can't. get it
2: right this week. That's all I got to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, they do They got, they got take two here this week. So I'm sure. I'm sure. I wonder if David Tepper didn't go, go, go up there, you know, and start talking to some of those people because he, he don't like shit like that. No, I'm sure he didn't no. like that at all.
2: Yeah, um, you got to look professional. And that was definitely not professional.
0: But yeah, that, that, the whole, the whole setup, besides the intros, they, they did a heck of a job. The 9 11 stuff with Steve Bashemi, that was mm-hmm. awesome. That, yeah, the, uh, the B 2 bomber coming over, that gave me chills too. That, that whole, whole shit and then they won so it was even better i just
2: we had too many
0: many jets fans by us and too much green and hopefully that changes this week when saints come to town but now let's get to our draft picks of the week bryson i'll kick things off here i got a a fall beer here. This is um, Voodoo Ranger. They just came out with this. Um, it's an atomic pumpkin spicy release, and it is spicy. They put a lot of pumpkin spice in this. It literally tastes like a pumpkin. This beer literally tastes like a pumpkin beer, but it has got a kick to it. And I don't do well with spicy things, so I I I just I can't. But I will tell you this, it is pretty good. I just, I can't do it right now. I'll just tell you this. It's an ale brewed with pumpkin, cinnamon, and chilies. Clearly, I didn't read the box. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't read the box, but this beer... It is decent. Like the, if you like those jalapeno beers, I know they have a couple of those out there. This is kind of reminds me of that it's got that like k- spicy kick at the end, but mm-hmm. this is legitimately, it's, it's fucking spicy. Dude. <laughs> it really is.
2: You drinking it, hot sauce over there? Or what? It is. It,
0: uh, oh, we don't have to bring up your hot sauce stories. Oh God. Uh, we'll save those for you. But this, this is a, it's a kick-ass can too. I don't know if you can see that through the camera, but it's oh, yeah, got a skeleton. He's, yeah, it's it's super cool, but yeah, it's just too spicy for me. But go get uh, go try this out at any of your locally gro- grocery stores. New Belgium Atomic Pumpkin uh, from Voodoo Ranger. What are you drinking?
2: Yeah, to, uh, today I dr- drank a beer from High Wire Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a six percent alcohol. It's called Zirkusfest, Fest Lager Beer, uh, Malty and crisp. Uh, the little thing here the little definition or whatever gold medal winner winner at 2016 great american beer festival in germany style marzen category use uh use of munich malt is the full flavored beer provides upfront biscuity and honey flavors that made into a light dry finish um i liked it i I did i i thought you know the the malt was was strong like like they say but uh i could definitely taste the honey in it which i'd like a lot um, is this a breakfast beer it's, it might be <laughs> it's got a it's got a lady with a with a beard on it though so i don't know what's going on with that but um but yeah it, it was great what's it I, called again circus fest october fest lager beer oh so we both went with fall drinks and yep. we didn't plan that all right yep and you know uh I, I do recommend if you haven't tried it and uh they are at Asheville again it's high wire brewing
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our episode tonight. You can catch all of our episodes every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcast, go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers for all your analysis and breaking news. We will have a giveaway coming up here shortly. I got something in the works. Bryson doesn't even know about it, but that's your tease. Keep following us on Twitter. You will see something here shortly. And as always,